Hey everybody, it's LaDonna Marie, internationally multi-award winning author, speaker, and personal development life coach of LaDonna Marie Books, where my mission is to discover the champion in you through healing and changing a narrative in your life one book at a time. You can shop and find out more information at www.ladonnamarie.org and check out the shop page. Partner with Planting Positive Seeds Nonprofit to help girls locally and globally become the best version of themselves. You can help us by donating to one of our initiatives on our website, www.plantingpositiveseeds.com. Welcome to Inspirational Talks with LaDonna Marie, a Planting Positive Seeds podcast. and welcome to another episode of Planting Positive Seeds Inspirational Talks podcast here with LaDonna Marie. I'm so excited to bring you, you know, guests every week so they can tell you their stories, they can pour into your lives and we can plant those seeds that'll help you get one step closer to where God has for you to be, your purpose, your destiny, moving into it. But we here on Planting Positive Seeds on Inspirational Talks, We always talk about how we've overcame a lot of things. And so tonight is going to be a powerful show. It's going to be a powerful uh, move of God. And I'm just excited for all of the listeners out there for the nuggets that you will gain on tonight. I have a mighty woman of God here tonight, everyone. And her name is Dr. Gail James. And I'm going to bring her on into the show. Welcome, uh, Dr. James. How are you doing tonight? I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have you. I've listened to you on different shows. I've, you know, seen um, the different things that you've been doing, the books. I even went to your website and I looked it over from front to back. And I love what God is has done and what he is doing through your life. So once again, I just thank you for this opportunity to come on here and share with the listening audience of Inspirational Talks. Yes, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I tell you what, God is faithful. And, you know, my favorite thing is, in in regards to my life, is what the enemy meant for bad, God turned it around for my good. Because if you look at my life, the, the, the things that I've been through, it seems as if it was a setup for disappointment, rejection, abandonment, for failure. But yes. the, very, the very things that was meant to set me up for failure is the very things that used that has set me up now for success and financial stability and a legacy for my children and my children's children. Oh, that is, listen, that's a wonderful way to top this show off, just that warrior um, intuition and just trusting in God because I've been saying that over the last couple of weeks that, you know, anything that tried to set us up or halt us, that it's a it's a setup for a comeback. You know, mm-hmm. a comeback for your children, for legacy, for all that God has had you to do um, because the enemy is always busy, but we are supposed to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. We're supposed to know those that labor among us. And so, and we just know that we win in the end. Dr. Gill, I'm so excited. I was reading over your bio, but I know that um, you you know your life, you know the things that you, you've gone through. And so I want you to just share with the listening audience a little bit about yourself and about your your ministry and what God has put you on the earth to do. Well, my name is Dr. Gail James. I wear many hats. I am a number one best-selling author, two-time. I am a therapist, licensed therapist. I am a mother, a wife. I am a pastor. I am a business owner, a, a serial business owner because you, <laughs> you name a business I'm gonna do it and so I feel like um my my greatest gift though is being a servant 
I, mm-hmm. I, I, they call me the back pew preacher because if you let me have my way, I'll, I'll, I'll do my stuff from the back pew. I'm not into the limelight <laughs> and all of that. That is not my thing. But um, so they call me the back pew preacher. But what I, I would say, my gifts are, is I'm going to say it the way God told me. God said, I've called you for the suppressed, the oppressed, and the depressed. Wow. And I remember that profoundly because once he gave me that, that was when I opened my nonprofit directly mm. giving back to women who've been through childhood childhood um to, who've been through sexual abuse any kind of sexual abuse or domestic violence as a survivor myself i've been through i was um i was i'm the child number 11 in out of my mom's 12 children and to give you a little bit of feedback my mom and my dad only got three children together my mom had nine when she met with him and he had 15 when he met with her mm. so that's a big family <laughs> yes but, but I'm child number 11 on my on my mother's side and um I'm I'm being child number 11 my mom died in 2007 she was 72 when she died so my mom had me very late I was she was in her 40s mm-hmm. and so I, my siblings that were older than me were really a lot older it wasn't by two years or three years it was like I'm 51 and I have siblings that in the 70s wow Yes, so I was molested by three of my male siblings. Um, I remember the day like yesterday, I told the school um, and I had no choice but to tell them. It was not like I, I, I decided to tell them. I was in the classroom and blood was running out, down my clothes. And mm-hmm. I, um, they, the teacher kept asking me, what's wrong, what's wrong? And I j- just got mute. I wouldn't say anything. But n- the nurse and myself had a very good relationship. I'll never forget her. I pay homage to Miss Gabriel. And so mm-hmm. she um, she said, don't worry, leave her here. I'll, I'll talk to her, leave her here. She'll talk to me. And so I told her, and I told her what my 21-year-old brother had did to me that day before. And they called the police. And I just remember my mom coming to the school and rolling her eyes with her hands on her hip, rolling her eyes at me. And I was like, oops, I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. And the, the level, I think everything in my life would have gone differently if my mom had a different reaction. So she mm-hmm. called my brother in the, the Virgin Islands is very small. So everybody know everybody. So if, if they didn't do things the way you think they would do things up here, they let her go. They let her go home with me. They let her go home with my brother. They told her they're going to give her a week to work it out and call them. She didn't. So she immediately as she got home, she called my, my brother, that's the pastor. And she, she told him, you need to come over here now. Get them started some man. And he came, but he, he was intuitive enough. And grounded in his relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ enough to understand that something was wrong. Mm-hmm. He said to my brother, what did you do? And my brother said, I did nothing. She, he, she said, he said, no, you did something. This little girl is here in somebody else's clothes. I don't even know what these clothes is. She don't have on her school uniform. You did something. And he kept denying. He immediately, he eventually admitted. And at the point that he said, yes, I did it. I'm sorry. I really thought, like, I was 10. He was 21. I thought I was going to get a hug, a kiss. Mm-hmm. My, mother, my mother looked at me and said, you weren't as good for nothing, dog. You knew what you were doing and you wanted. So at that point, I was 10. I didn't understand the ramifications of it. I just know at that moment, I felt alone. I felt rejected. I felt singled out. Um mm-hmm. And I, I just knew that I had to fight with all of me because now she sees me as the enemy. So my mom died not knowing about the other two brothers because of the way she t- she carried on about that one brother. So mm-hmm. she died without knowing about the two other two brothers. But that caused me to be so traumatized to the point where they put me in a home for bad girls. I ran away. They put me back there. I ran away. I said, well, if you're going to run away again, we're going to have to put you somewhere and I said well I'll just go back home because at least that's better than sharing a twin bed with a girl that's sleeping sneaking men in through the window and having sex with them and you bumping elbow with them so I'm, I'm gonna go back to my to my mom's house so I went mm-hmm. back and at the age of 14 my mom broke my arm with a mop stick wow and when she did that I think that was the turning point I remember one of my brothers saying clearly Mommy, can I borrow your car? Because there's something white sticking out of gear. Um, I think she broke her arm. It's broken. And she said, if you move my car, I'm going to break you too. And what? I just knew, like, there was no way out of this. I got to wait till everybody goes sleep. 
and I'm going to just have to make a run for it. I put some mm-hmm. clothes in a black garage bag. There was a black BMW on the top of the road. The trunk never closed. I threw the clothes in the trunk and I went to the hospital walking, catching rides. I got to the mm-hmm. hospital and they said, we cannot touch you. You're a minor. I said, but my bone is sticking out my arm. We cannot touch you. You're a minor. The one trauma leads to another trauma. I got this guy that I knew used to come and buy fruits and vegetables from my mom. I knew he was 19, so I know he was of age. We never had anything, but he used to come there and make us laugh. And I called him and I said, please come and sign me. And he came, and he signed me and they cast my hand. I eventually got in a relationship with that young man. Mm. And I went from one abuse to the next. I got kicked with steel toe boots in my ribs. I oh, got my. hit in the back of the head with a nine millimeter gun. I got kidnapped with a 12 gauge and a nine millimeter gun. He blocked a car with me and my cousin, a female cousin, and it dragged me out the window, kidnapped me literally. And I remember one day he was beating me so bad and I just locked myself in the bathroom and I said to God, you know, God, I'm just tired. I said, I just want to die. I say, you know, if you just brought me on this earth so I could be go from abuse to abuse to abuse, why have me here? I just want to die. And I took a whole bottle of Tylenol and all I did was throw up. So my eyes happened to glance under the bathroom sink and I saw a bottle of bleach and I drank bleach. I didn't die. I didn't die. I wanted to so bad, but I didn't die. My throat was on fire. But I was filled with anger because I was like, God, are you for real? Like, you just mm-hmm. want me to be here and get abused? Why you don't take me now? And it wasn't until I got much older mm-hmm. that this was God's words to me. Let me tell you something. Whether you want to kill yourself, whether you want to die or the enemy want to kill you, baby, you can't, you can't do nothing with you. If I had purpose and destiny in your womb before you entered your mother's womb, the devil in hell can't kill you if you want to. Praise the Lord. I was just like, I was like, all of that I've gone through. And so I really, I thank God at this moment (laughs) and I'm still alive. But I wanted to die. It was just too much. It was abuse after abuse. Just to be a 14-year-old and having to get your own apartment, paying $250 a month. You go into high school. Your high school is an hour drive away. You catching rides 6 o'clock in the morning, walking and catching rides to go to school. You, I mean, it was a lot. I worked two jobs after school every day to try to pay my rent. Mm. And I just could remember, I think the biggest lesson I got out of everything I've been through was forgiveness. Mm-hmm. That was forgiveness. I, I remember going to my mom and I said to her, I'm, I'm graduating. And I gave her invitation to my high school graduation. And she threw it back at me and she said, I have better things to do with my time. I ain't going to that. And I thought oh. she was just joking. Mm-hmm. She did not come. My daddy was the only one there. She did not come. She did wow. not come. I remember giving the same, the abuser, the abuser. I ended up getting pregnant for him in my last year of high school. But Mm. my daughter wasn't supposed to be born until after high school. Mm -hmm. So I'm in 12th grade. I'm six months pregnant. And I go into full-blown labor. And they're like, the the secretary is running around, secretary of the school, like, I got to take her. We can't wait for the ambulance. She is in labor. So they drove me to the hospital. You have to pass my mother's fruit stand to go to the hospital because my, my school was in country. And the hospital is in town. Mm-hmm. They stopped by my mother's fruit stand. I'll never forget this. And the lady looked at my mom and she said, Gail is in labor. I'm taking her to the hospital right now. I just wanted you to know. Now, they know I'm not living at home because on my, on where it says legal guardian or parent on my, on my report card says my daughter's grandmother, the guy mother. That's who named there. So they already know. So they called her. She came. So when my dad wow. came to pick up my mom from the fruit stand, she had to have told him. Mm-hmm. Do you know Do you know my dad packed up my mother's fruits and vegetables and drove to the hospital and my mama sat in the car for two hours in the hot sun, didn't come upstairs to see me or my daughter. Wow. My daddy came up there. My daddy, was, were, eyes were full of tears. He said, have you seen the baby yet? I said, no. I said, all they told me was she she's small and that they don't think she's going to live. 
And he said, come with me. Oh my, and we gonna, we gonna go see her. And I got to that window and I just buckled, my knees buckled. She had two mm-hmm. for wear. I was only six months pregnant. She was only two pounds. Wow. I, had, I just, my, I buckled. Mm-hmm. And my daddy picked me up off the ground and he said, get up, kid, get up, get up, kid. You, you gonna be okay, get up. And I remember like, this is what life really is. Like, they don't like me because I told the truth. Like, the mm. whole family don't like me, except for my daddy, because I told the truth. And it just blew my mind, but I knew my relationship with Christ would, mm. would mean that I would have to take a different stance. I am a yeah. peculiar person. I am I am extraordinary. I can't do like the world do. So though mm-hmm. I didn't like it, though I didn't get a, 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 a apology, I remember... God brought me back and I, cause I, I'm asking God, I say, God, like why this lady don't like me with every ounce of her, she don't like me. Mm-hmm. He said, remember when she used to take y'all to Dominica to see her mom? All 12 of y'all line up to kiss her mom. What would her mom do? Push all of y'all away till she get to this one specific grandchild and then come back around to all of y'all. Your mother was the black sheep. And that's the mm-hmm. same black sheepism she experienced. She, baby, she leading from a place of she parenting from a place of pain, not a purpose. She she do she don't know how to do better because that's what she was taught. Yeah, yeah. God was like, it's it's just so happened that you the one, but this how she was taught. So I, I I was like, well, why didn't she? Why didn't she? Was my voice? This boy molest me. I'm 10, 21. Why would she be mad at me? Let me tell you what yeah. God told me. God say, huh? How many children does your mom have? I said. Well, he said, by how many different fathers? I say about seven. Mm. He said, uh, he said, and and, and, and elaborate, because you know where I'm going. And, and I, this yeah. me and God talking. And I yeah. say, yeah, all of them was for married men except my dad. Mm. He said, what happened to you when you got molested? I say, I got promiscuous. He said, what you think going on with your mama? He said, every time your mother see you, she see who she wanted to be. She wanted to tell her story. She wanted to be be saved, but she yeah. didn't have the guts. So when she look at you, she see what she wished she would be. He mm. said this to me. I need you to forgive for an apology you'll never get. Ooh, that yeah. was profound. That blew my yeah. mind. I still, I still yeah. use yeah. it to this day. I use it to this day and I use it in every relationship, friends, family, Ooh, yes. anything. I say, what God? He say, I need you to forgive her for a, an apology you'll never get. Mm. I say, God, he say, put the apology out the window. Yeah. Now. I did. My mom had six strokes before she died. I flew to the Virgin Islands every week, $550 round trip to take care of my mom. I asked them for my mom. Because my mom called me and said, Gail, if you don't take me, they're going to put me in a nursing home and I'm going to die there. Mind you, my mom got 12 children. Everybody got their own house. But right. she called in the one that she got along with the least. Mm-hmm. And my dad told me, my dad said, your mama don't leave the house until you come down here. Because they were divorced by then. Mm-hmm. I would come to St. Thomas on Wednesday, get the rental car off the airport, drive to my mother, to my sister's house where my mother had. Get, call my daddy, said, daddy, come put mommy in the car for me. He come, he lift up out the bed, put her in the wheelchair, put her in the car, follow me where I'm going, call me when I call me when you're done. I'll put her back in the wheelchair, put her back in the car for you. And and that's how I did it. My daddy stood up at, and looked at me one day with tears in his eyes, and he said, Gail, God going to bless you. Yeah. He said, Gail, God going to bless you. He said, your mother don't want for diapers, your mother don't want nothing. Mm-hmm. Everything your mother needs, you make sure she have it here. And on top of that, you come every week. Yeah. That's how... I I looked at her and I told her on her dying bed that it was like, they took her. They they say, I'm the worst place for her to go. The same brother that went to jail for me. You don't have no place to put her, but you're going to say, I am the worst place for her to go. They did just what my mother said they were going to do. They put her in a nursing home and she died there. Wow. My mother, I look at her and her dying bed. They call me, they say, she's not doing good. I went down there, I say, Mommy, Mommy, I forgive you, Mommy, I love you. Mommy, you can go. You can go, Mommy, I love you. 
Mommy, I'm grateful for the fact that you didn't adopt, you didn't put me out for adoption. You didn't abort me and you introduced me to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Those three things is enough for me, Mommy. I love yeah. you. I forgive you. The tears just rolled down her face. She mm-hmm. was in Jacksonville at the time because I have two sisters and a brother live in Jacksonville. Uh, she was in Jacksonville in a nursing home and I was in West Palm Beach. I wasn't at 95 two minutes yet and they call me back and say, Mommy gone. Mm. She was just waiting for me to release her. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That is... Wow, that's a it's just it's just it's touching, heart heartbreaking, touching, um, powerful uh, story journey, your life uh, of going through uh, everything that you you went through. But you said so many things, Doctor Gail. That when I'm talking to God, you know, I think about the things that we have to go through. And, you know, as I got older, you know, when you're younger, you don't, you may not have the Bible. Some people may out there, you know, read the Bible as much as you do when you're younger. But when I was, I knew of God, had a relationship with him, but it was like I had to, when I got older, those Bible verses, I start to read them. And those are the things that I used to hold on to. Um, But you've said so much and I wrote down so many things because just of all of the trauma, you know, you said coming from one trauma to the next. And as you were telling your story, I was just like, yes, Lord, she's an overcomer. She's an overcomer from everything that you had to go through. And when I read the Bible now, when I read that story, even when I'm going through now about when when, when Jesus said, if you, when it said, if you suffer with him, you'll reign with him. Yes. No, no one likes to suffer, but, you know, saying we we will reign with him, you know, saying in the end or, you know, in our time. And so, you know, it's it's heartbreaking, but a part of that, now I hear Dr. Kishma always say when we be on different things, she'll say that it was necessary, that the process mm-hmm. was necessary to make mm-hmm. you, you know, who you are today for you to be mm-hmm. strong, you to, you know, be as accomplished in, in doing what God has asked you to do and to be able to help so many others. I think that is, you know, it's so strong to see that, you know, to know that your nonprofit was founded to give back to the to some of the, you know, people to give to people who experience the same things that you've experienced. They're from your, you know, coming up and who God has called you to be. You're able to build yourself up in your most holiest faith. And then you're able to turn around and pull, you know, the other ones up after you've been strengthened. Um, Just so much courage that it took for you to, and bravery to tell your story even when you were telling the truth, like you said, you told the truth, but people chose to not listen and people chose to not believe and chose to have their stance on what you said um, and just, you know, feel some type of way. And I, I never understood that because Dr. Gail, I felt like that too, uh, and even in my life, because I've always wore the belt of truth. I didn't know what that was when I was younger, but as I, you know, got up and started reading the Bible and, Learned about the different armor that you that you wear when you put on the full armor of God. And and I was always wondering why did I just, you know, the way that I saw things, the way that I saw them in my relationship with God. But when you live in that that reign and when God is your everything and you stand in, in who he's called you to be, even when you're standing by yourself. And that's what I could hear from just story after story and decision and just to know that you your Christ-like heart like you said in the beginning you're a servant and even though you know saying things were you know the things that your mom did they were very hurtful but I love that the God in you took a stand and you still provided and you still helped and you still went and you still loved and you still did what you, you know, what you would, what, what you were supposed to do as a, as a daughter. You know, there's so many people out there who don't, but mm-hmm. I love how you said your story taught you how to forgive. And that was very powerful. Like you said, you forgive from an apology that you'll never get. And I know many times in my life I had to do that as well because you know, sometimes you'll you'll never get that apology but like Mm -hmm. you said in order to release them release you from that moment so that you can continue to move on and flourish you have to forgive we hear people say forgiveness many times is not so much for them but it's for you so to forgive Mm -hmm. them 
for an apology that you'll never get. That's so powerful because it releases it released you to be who you are today, um, to be as well known and established and, and to have so many uh, powerful moves for the kingdom of God, helping others to you know find out who they are, uh, to be able to know that they can live beyond the trauma that they experience and just to keep them moving on. I, I'm I'm just so godly proud because I know so many instances that people get stuck. And that's one of the reasons I'm on this journey. Planting Positive Seeds mm. gave it to me in 2013 because he said he wanted me to help him get his children. And so mm. for me, story many times on this show because I, I never know who's going to be listening, but I'm a 26 survivor of attempted suicide because at the age of 14, I thought, you know, I was, I was, we, we, we felt like, I felt like the black sheep, but now I learned that we were set apart. Like you said, we are the peculiar people, but because I was everything that God wanted me to be, my surroundings rejected me. My surroundings made me feel that I was weird and not, you know, because I didn't do things like they did them. I didn't think like they thought I was, I was talking to God at the, you know, when I was little, I was hearing Holy Spirit speak to me. And so when when the pressure got that I didn't look like everybody around me, which they made me feel like it was something wrong with me, but it, it mm-hmm. was really everything was right with me. Yeah. <laughs> people Lord. trying to kill kill the seed that God had placed inside of me because everything was right. And I just like one more thing that you said, and I'm, we're gonna continue with this because this is so good. And I hope the listeners are just grabbing on to your strength, your resilience, your God like your God faith and just being faith filled. And moving in the word of God, because I can just hear it through everything that you're saying, how grounded that we that that you are, but you still had to go through because a lot of people get stuck in the going through because they can't mm-hmm. uh, the enemy makes yes. it keeps you so deep to think that there won't be anything on the other mm-hmm. side. Have that faith to put one foot in front of the other, you know, God will help you to get to where you need to be. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm grateful that you, you shared uh, that story because so many people out there will listen to what you said and be able to know that they can stand strong. I want to ask you to, and, and, and you probably, you know, explained it in everything that you said, but I want to know what inspires you to do what you do, um, you know, with the many serial businesses and mm-hmm. And, and just, you know, saying you're nonprofit, mm-hmm. what inspired you? What was the core thing that inspired you to step out on faith? Well, I think, um, men, uh, well, all of the things that I do lead right back to my trauma. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I do it because I needed to be the me that I wanted when I was going through. You yes. said something just now, and I tell people this all the time. Don't get caught up being rejected by man know that if you are chosen by God you're going to be rejected by man God chose me as the generational curse breaker I was not the only child molested but I'm the only one that told Mm -hmm. so I have 11 siblings that don't talk to me I'm okay I pray for y'all I want the best for y'all but keep that toxic energy over there (laughs) what y'all consider norm was not normal it was Mm -hmm. toxic let's call it what it is yeah. And and because y'all reject me does not mean I'm going to stop being who God has called me to be. God chose me for this. I didn't choose this. I didn't choose this. God yes. chose me for this. He chose me to be the one to break that generational curse. He meant it was not going to happen to my children or my children's children. And I did that. If y'all don't yeah. want to talk to me. That's fine. Because one of my oldest sisters that live here in Jacksonville, she was already gone out of the house. And she asked me, well, what, 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 um, what happened with you and so-and-so, the one who got locked up? Because I was already gone. I told her, you know what she said? Oh, I could see why mommy was mad. You told the family secret. I said, that is not a doggone secret. Right. And so for me, I went back to school to become a therapist because I understand what I went through, the depression, the anxiety, the feelings of abandonment, self-sabotage, the guilt, the shame. Those feelings that I seriously had and I didn't have a me when I was going through, I wanted to be that that me to the people. 
Right. So that's why I went back to school to become a therapist. And now I own mental health practices in the U.S. Virgin Islands and in Florida. We also offer mental health um, free counseling for survivors of sexual abuse or domestic violence in my nonprofit. I ended up um, deciding to do group homes for the developmentally disabled because my daughter that was born when I was six months pregnant, she was only two pounds at birth. She was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. She has never walked and she's still in diapers. They said she mm-hmm. wouldn't live past one, but Abigail is 33 years old. Praise the Lord. And so God, that was that was supposed to be a burden for me, but it turned out to be a blessing because I learned the empathy and compassion, how to take care of people that can't take care of themselves. So you know what I birthed out of that? I birthed the group homes and I birthed the, men, the, the home health. I have home health care agencies, Medicare and Medicaid accredited in the U.S. Virgin Islands and in Florida. I have group homes in Florida. And so everything I have done directly relates back to my trauma. So I like to tell people, you know, you're p- from pain to purpose. The biggest part is the in-between, the process. Mm-hmm. If you can only just understand that the process is necessary and go through it, I promise you, you can turn it around for your good. Because had I not take those things and say, you know, I want to do different. I want to be better. I want to... Be- then I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. Right, right. I love what you said earlier about, you know, you didn't choose this, but God chose you. And I like what you mm-hmm. said earlier too about no matter what you go through, even if you try you try to harm you or if the enemy tries to harm you. But at the end of the day, if God, God is not ready for you to leave and you have purpose on your life that you're going to walk it out. Like he's going to help you to continue to, to walk that purpose out. And so I am overjoyed with just hearing you be able to set up these practices and, and be the answer and the solution uh, for people because you do have that compassion and the empathy for people who have gone through these same things. Um, I, just myself and you know, just I've gone through some things that suicide attempts. So with my, my nonprofit, we do different things for women and girls, you know, those who go through those different, you know, feelings mm-hmm. or just feel like you misplaced or misunderstood. And so I love that because when God asked me to start the nonprofit, he said, you know, I want you to help me with my children. And so the same thing, like, you know, whatever I walked through and he allowed me to get to the other side of it, you know, I was, you know, helping those who needed to come out at the same time and I thank God for your for your daughter and you know you continuing to you know be there to take care of her and to that she's the miracle that you know she she's here today even though the the doctors gave that that um, they said one thing but God said another thing and so that is powerful um, we always talk here about, you know, um, some of the things that we have, our achievements and accomplishments. And we all know that, you know, God puts us here for a reason. And so I would love for you to just share with um, the listening audience some of your highlights and some of your achievements. I um, I became Mrs. International Woman of Achievement. Um in September of this year um, that was done in, in Long Beach, California and I represented the Vir- the U.S. Virgin Islands in that. The U.S. Virgin Islands have never been represented but I represented the U.S. Virgin Islands. Um, we had to do cultural wear and fun and, fun and fitness and we had a platform and my platform talked about what's passionate, what I'm passionate about which is the childhood sexual abuse and domestic violence and so I won so I am the reigning Mrs. International Woman of the Woman of Achievement. Um, <laughs> thank you. And um, I just got the lifetime, the Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award in Atlanta. And I got another award. I, I got the Dream Builder Award. From, you wow. Sweatpants and Chill. I got another award. That is awesome. It's, it's been a lot it's been a lot and real quick um, yeah because it's like I published my book 
on the 15th of September. I dropped my book on the 15th of September. And on the 18th of September, which is my birthday, I became a number one bestseller. And after that, everything kind of just took off. Yes, listen, that's how it is. Like they said, and Amos, not one thing on the hill of another. Um, and when you step out there and do everything that God has placed in your heart, you know, He'll give you the desires of your heart when we are focusing on, you know, saying helping Him get His His will and, and what He wants us to accomplish. And then He'll give us those things um, that we, we desire and even just surprise us with some things. And those are all amazing accomplishments, you know. You're able to shine your light so that other people can see, you know, what God is doing through you and that they can be able to know that it's possible for them. God has no respectable person, but it's so possible to them. So I'm thank thank you for sharing that with us. I wanted to also ask you, I know we've talked a lot about the things and the trauma that you've, you've gone through. And we always ask here about, you know, one time when you had to overcome a trauma and I felt like, you explained a lot of that when we were talking earlier, but I want to ask you a question in you overcoming those traumas. Can you share with the audience just some, some nuggets or some tips on how, how did you heal from your traumas as you were, you know, as you, you know, were coming that overcomer and going through them? Um, because just, uh, you know, the things that you shared with us earlier, um, you know, uh, that you've gone through, but you know, I, how, how did you, how do you personally heal? And what are some of the steps that you took to, you know, heal from your trauma? I would say the number one thing would be to find a safe place to talk. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we, um, continue being triggered and traumatized because we don't have a safe place to talk. Sometimes we're afraid of being judged or whatever the case may be. I would say, number one, I would find a safe place to talk. Number two, if you're not strong enough to get help, talk to somebody that you know can guide you in a way of getting help. Number three, I would have to say, maintain your peace. Whether that means, um, that means creating healthy boundaries. So one of the things I did, I recognized before I was healed, My, I would say I forgive them, but I didn't forgive them. So every time one of my siblings called and they start going into the tangent about how I done messed up the family name or something, I would lose it. I'd be slamming doors, carrying on. And my husband, and my, my husband said to me one day, look, honey, it's not fair that every time these people call you, 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 you start slamming doors and carrying on with all of us and we didn't do nothing to you and Mm -hmm. my two boys agreed and I was like wow and so I I took that into consideration and so I created healthy boundaries so if Mm -hmm. my mental space was not in a good place I would not have a conversation with them what that looks like is you you may have to block some people on Facebook you Mm -hmm. may you may have to um to temporarily block them on your phone until you get in a in a healthy mind space because when you're not in a healthy mind space you're because you, hurt people hurt people right and so you're bleeding on people some who cut you some who didn't cut you because when you are not healed everybody you comes in contact with you're gonna bleed on them because mm-hmm. hurt people hurt people and so i talk all the time about bleeding living parenting doing ministry from a place of purpose instead of pain too many of us are out here doing it we in the pulpit preaching but we're preaching from a place of pain we bleeding on the flock we don't care if the flock died we just know we don't want to lose our tithes and offering and we don't want nobody else coming up in there they might take our our our, our parishioners but Mm -hmm. is that really worth it if our flock is dying right for me that's what healthy looks like that's something that could help you heal from your pain while you're taking a mental break from the toxicity don't just take a mental break from the toxicity and don't because every negative behavior needs to be replaced with a positive one right so if you're going to if you're going to block family on social media what are you going to put in, in in the space and time that you normally do social media put something positive in there 
something that mm-hmm. doesn't include having to hear them talk about you, having to see what they posted, put yourself into something else. So, so those are the steps that I took that, that got me to where I am because I am very aware. I do a lot of self-reflection. I do affirmation, mm-hmm. but I am also very careful at looking at self as to, because you can point fingers at people all day, but you're the only one common denominator. Exactly. And you're, you're right. only responsible for your behavior. And because you're only responsible for your behavior, that's all you can control. So when you're looking at the situation, think about what can I do to make this a healthier space for me? Yes. And so those are some of the things I would definitely say, you know, I, I would want people to get out of, out from the toxicity, but sometimes the toxicity mm-hmm. is in your house. Exactly. Everybody can't just get up and move. You know, right. so you, you have to take your time, work on you because a lot of us still in the situations we're in because of our low self-esteem. So even if you're in the house with the toxicity, if you can start working on your self-esteem, building yourself up, giving yourself the opportunity to be okay with self, being being okay with your shortcomings and your strengths, then yeah. you can be able to say, you know what? Now I can see. The blinders are off. This is not okay. This is not normal and I don't want to be here anymore. Right. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing it because I know... um you know, many of many of the listeners um, are going to use these to be able to walk into that healthy space. You know, you do talk about it. It hits home because I know I talk to a lot of people and then different things have happened even, you know, with with people that are very, very close. And like you said, some people, they still in your life, they're close to you, they're family. And so, you know, what do you do um, to, to continue to move forward? So I thank you for the nuggets of you know keeping those healthy boundaries and you know taking that mental space and that time for yourself and and to reflect I love affirmations too I have journals and different times and I spend time just you know in silence and so thank you for sharing your your wisdom you know saying with all of the listeners and with me I'm we're taking look I'm writing down notes and taking it in um, because we need, we want to be positive. And like you said, hurt people do hurt people. And it's not fair to the people, like you said, who hasn't done anything. And we're, you're taking the anger all out on them because of something that, you know, someone else did. And so we want to move in a, in a, in a healthy, positive way, um, you know, going forward. So thank you for sharing that. That was really, really good and practical because I love practical things you know getting that help that you need if you know you need that help go and get some help or go talk to someone like I said have that safe place to just let your guard down tell your story you know Mm -hmm. get it all out so that you can heal and you can you know process it and you can grow and let it go and so that you can be positive so thank you so much Dr. Gail for that wisdom I want to ask you too. Now, I know we talked about your book. I know you you had your book that you came out with, but talk about some of your uh, your upcoming projects or anything that you're working on uh, right about now. Um, right about now, I have a trauma coaching program. It's the name of it is from trauma to triumph, and what I do is work with you on getting on your healing journey helping you get over the things that has have traumatized you so you not be continuously being triggered or re-traumatized because many of us like I said are out here out here leading living and and parenting and and in ministry from a place of pain instead of purpose and if we could just shift and start leading and living and doing ministry from parenting from a place of purpose instead of pain we can go a lot farther so mm-hmm. I have the trauma to coach trauma to triumph coaching program. If you're in, if they're in, if you're interested, you can go to my website. I'll give you the website in a minute. I also have a business coaching program. I am a serial entrepreneur. I can go mm-hmm. sleep with an idea, wake up the next day, and have it up and running. <laughs> <laughs> that's a god. That's a god given gift, though. Because yeah. people look at me and they'd be like, "How in the world?" But that's mm-hmm. a god given gift. I I kid you not. You can give me 10 cents and I can turn that 10 cents into $10,000. It just it just blows my mind. So, <laughs> my, so my business coaching program, what I do is I teach you how to take one thing 
and have mm-hmm. multiple make multiple streams of income from it. I help you on on figuring out what's your passion, how you want to do that, what that looks like, and I have different packages on the website. So if there's something you already can do by yourself, that's fine. It brings the package down some, but I um that's also on my website. My website is www.dr as in doctor gail g a i l j a m e s james at gmail.com. I also have the Multi-Millionaire Mindset Club. Um, God spoke to me and I am I, I love to help people. So I don't believe in the, oh no, I'm not going to tell you this because if I tell you this, you're going to get higher than me. And I, I don't believe in that crab in the bucket syndrome. Baby, the only thing God going to do if I help you with some information is he going to bless me some more. He ain't going to take your blessing and give to me and he ain't going to take mine and give to you. Mm-hmm. And so I've always been that type of person. So God recently told me create a club that I can help people have the same kind of mindset that I have, like multimillionaire and want to leave a legacy for the children. And some people want to do it. They just don't know how to. Yeah. So yes. I have the multimillionaire mindset club. And yeah, there's a monthly fee. But um, what you do get in that club is you get access to me helping you strategize on how, what that, what do you want, what you want to do as far as mm-hmm. business wise and how to make um, the maximum potential out of that business. And so teach you how to have different streams, teach you how to multiply it, those kind of things. And so those are the three things that I'm doing right now. Um, that I'd say I'm doing right now that that uh, I want to put out there. It's okay, a lot more, but, but I don't I don't I don't know them off my head. <laughs> right. Well, listen, that's right. That right there is is good. And for those of you all that are listening who want to go through her trauma coaching and her mentoring and the business uh, coaching and help you be all that God has called for you to be, um, make sure that you get in contact with her. Um, so that you can, you know, go to her website and look it over and reach out and connect and, you know, uh, learn about her club and, and join the club so that you can get these things that you need to just, you know, walk out destiny. That's what it's all about. I often keep saying to myself all the time, I want to be who God created me to be. Like, I want to walk this this earth doing what he wants me to do and, and, and all the work of my hands, you know, saying just to continue to do that. So, if you feel like me, you know, saying get in contact with, with Dr. Gail so that she can help you, you know, move uh, what you have or help you to understand what God has given you so that you can make it a multi-million dollar business because she has that wisdom and, and the knowledge that God has given her to help you out. Dr. Gail, this has been an amazing <laughs> conversation. I'm so excited that, you know, you share your story with so much strength. And you're able to, you know, from a place of helping people to understand your story, but showing them, you know, all that God has done and how you have walked this life out of your journey to, to just continue to help others. Like I, you said in the beginning, you have to serve your heart and everything that I've heard and everything that you've shared and, and the core of everything that you do, it leads right back to that. I can see it. Um, so so uh, clearly and I want you to at this time to just share some of your final thoughts if there's anything that you didn't get a chance to say that you want to share with um, the listening audience and also you know just uh, repeat again your website so they'll know where to go and to find more information about you well what I want to leave with the people is much like God did it for me he can do it for you I don't care what you're going through I don't care what you've been through no shame, no guilt, just knowing that you have survived it and you will live to see what God has for you. His desires for his, his desires for you will come to pass. Those dreams and visions, his perfect will for your life will come to pass. So don't give up. Don't give up in the midst of the process. Don't give up in the midst of the pain. Go to the end, to where purpose and destiny is waiting on you. Because that's where God will meet you, right there. My website is www.drgailjames.com. And my email is drgailjames at gmail.com. Facebook, Dr. Gail James. 
Instagram, Dr. Gail James, TikTok, Dr. Gail James, YouTube, Dr. Gail James, and LinkedIn, Dr. Gail James. Awesome. You all go find Dr. Gail James. Listen, I am so grateful. I thank you uh, again for sharing uh, your story with us here on Inspiration Talks with Donna Marie. It has been a blessing. You've encouraged my heart so, so much tonight with your story. And I know that the listening audience from all over the world, they're going to feel that same way. And and if you're out there and you're listening, I, I'm going to, I put down different ways that you can, you know, talk, talk back to us on the episode and just tell us, you know, your thoughts and share, you know, your stories too. And I'll be able to talk about them as I continue to go through these uh, podcasts, these interviews. For Dr. Gail James, I thank you again. You know, you're always welcome back here at Inspirational Talks with Donna Marie. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, you be sure to come back every Monday at 6 o'clock, uh, 6.30, correction, 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern on Inspirational Talks with Donna Marie. Peace and blessings, everyone. I have gained so many valuable lessons from my experiences. In writing Things I Wish I Knew, Letters to My Little Sisters is a collection of heartfelt conversations with young girls and young adults all over the world, helping them to be prepared for things ahead. This has been another purpose-packed episode of Inspirational Talks with LaDonna Marie, a Planting Positive Seeds podcast. Please remember to like, share, and tell your friends about the podcast. Stay tuned for many more Inspirational Talks with LaDonna Marie.